This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. This episode is brought to you by Lola V. Lola V is an award-winning hair care line by none other than Jennifer Aniston. They offer clean, plant-powered products for every hair type and texture. I just did my whole hair care routine with all the products the other night, and I am obsessed. Along with incredible shampoo and conditioner, they have an intensive repair treatment that you can use once a week. They also have a lightweight hair oil. There's a leave-in treatment, and there's also a glossing detangling which I need because lately I want to do my hair in like a slicked back look, but my hair is too frizzy. Get 15% off Lola V with the code MOMROOM at www.lolav.com slash MOMROOM and Lola V is L-O-L-A-V-I-E. Making everyone happy on vacation isn't easy, but you know what is? Going to Aruba. All you have to do is walk out your door to find pristine pools, relaxing white sand beaches, and an island teeming with outdoor activities that'll put a smile on any face. You won't just feel great, you'll all feel great, filled with a calmer, more peaceful vibe that radiates Aruba's warmth. And the best part is, it never fades. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your family trip at aruba.com. the mom room podcast. My name is Renee Rena and I am definitely the mom friend you have always wanted. Hello, hello, happy Tuesday. Today I am talking with Rachel Rogers. If any of you guys are on TikTok, you probably know who that is. She has a very popular TikTok account at the same handle as her Instagram, which is Rach Lynn Rogers. It will be in the episode notes if you don't already follow her. Her videos are super informative and she is all about gentle parenting, respectful parenting, and helping us navigate parenthood. I love her account because she does a lot of reply to comments. I love that feature about TikTok. You know, people comment on your content and then you have the ability to just video reply and respond to them by making a video. So she does a lot of that, answering people's questions and obviously responding to people who are kind of like naysayers when it comes to gentle parenting or respectful parenting and what that is. So I think a huge reason why people kind of shy away from gentle parenting or they kind of like poo-poo it when they hear about it is because they assume that it's not parenting, like it's just letting your kids get away with murder. And that's not the case at all. So one of the first things we dive into in this episode is what actually is gentle parenting or respectful parenting and what is it not. We talk about why children deserve respect. Like, it's weird, but I think, you know, in older generations, it was kind of like, I'm the parent, you listen to me, like what you want to do doesn't matter and kids are not respected at all. They're just expected to respect elders or adults. So we kind of talk about that and why children do deserve respect. We also get into her considerate conversation formula, which she has a five-step guide to talk to children when they're in a chaotic moment, which happens a lot in toddlerhood. And then the formula is kind of five steps on how to kind of bring them back into a calm state. So I need to study this and 
put it on my wall. She also explains how she got into this, which is pretty cool because it's not like it's something that she saw herself doing years ago. She just kind of fell into it and it became a passion once she had her own child. That was interesting to hear how she got into this. And then of course her TikTok is just exploding. So without further ado, I will just get into the episode. Here is Rachel Rogers, also known as a mama mentor. To start, I thought you could tell us a little bit about yourself, your family, and how you got into becoming a parent or a mama mentor and what that means. Yeah, absolutely. So hi, everyone. I'm Rachel. I'm so happy to be here. I've followed Renee on TikTok for a long time, then started following over on Instagram and just love her real, raw, vulnerable nature about mom life. And so this is such an honor for me. So I am a mama to one little girl who is spunky and spicy, and she is absolutely amazing. She's actually our rainbow baby. I always like to include that fact because we had a really hard time getting children into this world. And so uh, I know that a lot of moms deal with that kind of stuff. And so I always like to start with that and let people know that I can relate to that journey as well. My husband and I waited a very long eight years before even trying for children, got pregnant immediately lost that baby very quickly. I think I was only about five and a half, six weeks along. So I literally just found out and it was like about a week later I miscarried. And then it took us two and a half years of unexplained infertility. We knew we could get pregnant. We didn't know how we did it the first time and we didn't know why it was taking us forever. But finally we got pregnant with Peyton and she is just our pride and joy. And we want more children. I, I say, I want more children. My husband's a little, it's like, I don't know yet. I don't know. Um, so we'll see how that goes. But I got into mentoring and really parent coaching, you could call it now, essentially, because I've come up under the umbrella of High Impact Club. And I met my friend Marcella. She's also on TikTok as High Impact Club. She has a parenting program. And I had gone through, it was about like when Peyton was maybe 10 months old. I read my first respectful parenting book. And it was called No Bad Kids by Janet Lansbury. Highly recommend to any toddler mom. Such a good book. And it essentially talks about behavior being communication and that children are not bad. They're just acting out, trying to communicate, right? And so that was an eye-opener for me. And I plunged myself into that world. And I read every book I could get my hands on. I read, I listened to all the podcasts. Well, one podcast, I stuck with Janet Lansbury's podcast. It's called Unruffled. And then I just, I, I plunged myself into High Impact Club. She had a whole bunch of resources in one place. And then she and I built a friendship and she asked me, you know, do you, do you want to go through my parenting with understanding course and then potentially become a parenting coach underneath High Impact Club? And I prayed about it, thought about it and was like, heck yes, let's do this. I really feel passionate. I feel like I've essentially stepped into my calling in this really. So that's kind of how I got here. Did you have any idea, like thinking back, you know, before you had Peyton, would you ever think to yourself, like, this is what I'm going to end up doing? Or is this totally just out of the blue? Yes, it was very surprising to me. And where it all stemmed from is that I I always knew that I wanted to help people in whatever I did. Like I've always been somebody that wanted to make a big impact. I knew I was already doing that as a mom, but 
I, I also was like, I want to be able to help. I want to help people. And I started praying. My faith is really important to me. It's a central part of our life. And so I started praying last year. I, I started TikTok just like everybody else <laughs> in the middle of quarantine as a way to keep myself sane because I was locked in a house with a toddler. And I was thinking, I've got to do something that is a creative outlet that's like fun for me. And so I started with all the silly videos, couldn't dance worth a flip. I tried, <laughs> that was not my thing, right? And so that was kind of how it all started. But then I really started praying. I was like, okay, God, I, I want to use this platform for a purpose. And I just had a random idea one day. It actually felt like it was my thought that I should share a toddler tip from the No Bad Kids book that I've been learning. It's been really helpful for me. I shared one tip and in one month, that video went viral. And in one month, I went from 18,000 followers to like 101,000 followers. And then it has grown exponentially since then, since July of last year. Now we're over 750, 770, I think we hit yesterday or whatever, which is mind blowing to me. But it, it has been that really, like I said, I feel like I've stepped into something that I was meant to step into. I am still learning out loud. I'm still learning a lot about myself, even like in the responses that I have to people. Sometimes I'm a little bit sassy and I can, I can see that it's because of the way that I was raised and like feel a little bit spicy about it sometimes, you know? And so I'm still, I'm still in the learning process, but I'm learning out loud. I opened up TikTok this morning and your video was like the first one that popped up. And I was like, Ooh, I like this one. And it was a response to comments, which that is one of the best features of TikTok. And I wish Instagram had the same thing was like the video reply, because it really gives the creator the opportunity to respond in a public way. So what I love about that is so many people probably get the same kind of negative feedback. And it's nice as someone with a large following to be able to speak to that comment so that other moms who get the same kind of you know negative feedback can be like, oh, this is how I answer. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. 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 I definitely one of one of my followers had had said something along those lines, like, this is a different side of you. It kind of feels like you're being disrespectful in this. And I said, you know, I probably am coming across that way because I feel disrespected. And that again, it's probably some form of a trauma response from not feeling understood or heard as a child. But also I'm not just answering to the commenter. I'm answering for the 770,000 people who are following me, who are going to get comments like this from friends, family, people that follow them and they want to know how to answer that and they get stuck. So this is my form of education for that. You know, that's a great way to look at it. And when it's something that you're passionate about, it just triggers that in you, right? Because you're like, Oh, and you feel for all the other people that get the same kind of comments. And it just, yeah, it's just, I think it's a normal response. So I guess we'll get into what gentle and respectful parenting is and then we'll get into what it is not, because I think there's lots of misconceptions. If you're okay with me starting with what it's not, I feel like it's important because I think that people think, they hear the word gentle and immediately think, oh, if I'm gentle, then I can't be firm. I can't set a boundary. I can't give a consequence. And that's why we have all these children that are entitled and weak and emotional and sensitive and all of this stuff, which I have a lot of thoughts about all of that. But 
there are four different parenting styles. And this is something that I learned from Marcella High Impact Club. And she talked about this in a party. We actually had a cycle breaker party for the release of my ebook recently. And she was talking about this and I had never heard of it outlined like this. But in every form of parenting, there is a certain measure of accountability and a certain measure of acceptance. You've got authoritarian, which is how most of us were raised. There's very little sensitivity to emotions. It's very much like focusing on how a child is acting and how a parent wants their child to act. And it's kind of control and power-based. And, and parents who were raised in authoritarian parenting are afraid of what they, they think gentle and respectful parenting is because they think I'm essentially giving over the power and control. And that's definitely not it. But so you've got author, authoritarian parenting and there's a high level of accountability, but a very low level of acceptance. So it's like, I expect you to do this, but I'm not going to accept what you're doing unless it's this, right? That's authoritarian. And then you've got permissive parenting. I do see that we have this generation of kids that were raised totally opposite of how a lot of us were raised. And there was a, a permissive generation and, and even an uninvolved generation where you have low accountability with high acceptance. So it's like, do whatever, whatever you want, whenever you want. It's totally okay. I love you regardless. And there's no boundary and no consequence. And so there's really no character shaping or emotion shaping either. It's like, it's like, I'm just going to let you act however you want to act. And then you have uninvolved, which is both low accountability and low acceptance. It's like, I, they're neglectful. And that, that is more of like an abusive home, right? Then you have authoritative. And this is where respectful and gentle parenting fall under, but most people don't know this. So respectful parenting has high accountability and high acceptance. Gentle parenting, same thing. There are different ways that people will do things. Some people say not to set a clear boundary with words like, I won't let you. I firmly believe in that phrase and feel like it has saved me from a number of tantrums because I've told my daughter, I'm sorry, I'm not going to let you hit me. That hurts. If you need to hit something, let's go hit a baseball. You know, like let's get a bat and hit a baseball. Okay. It's fine to need to exert that energy. But Respectful parenting and gentle parenting is really more about understanding that children are people too, right? They're not inferior. They are not less deserving of respect. You can still set a very clear boundary and enforce consequences, but you can do so from a place of respect and you can enforce consequences that don't include punishment as well. I often think about how a lot of parents want their children to listen to them you know, like you were saying, like they want control and the power and it can be very difficult as a parent when you feel powerless because of what your child is doing. But then I often think to myself, like when I think about gentle parenting or respectful parenting, it's like, I don't want Milo to be afraid of me or my husband. So it's like fear-based, like your child is listening to you because they're afraid, which at the end of the day, whenever people ask me, like, what is the best thing about motherhood for you? I'm always like, I really love that my husband and I are Milo's safe space. You know, like, and I'm a little bit biased because I'm trained in attachment. But like, I love that we are his like comfort. When he's upset, he comes to us. And so I always think about kids who 
maybe they're very well behaved, but they're actually a little bit afraid of their parents and the consequences of acting out. And so that's what I always think about is like the difference between like being fear-based versus they're going to respect boundaries that you set because you're being respectful to them and gentle and you still have that like caring relationship kind of. Yeah, exactly. And you know, fear-based parenting that is full of lots of punishments and exercises, control and power is not developing respectful children. It's developing compliant children. They can be compliant having zero respect for their parents, right? I, I actually was reading through a, some comments on a parenting post in a mom's group the other day, and I probably should stay, stay out of this, but I was reading through some comments and there was a mom that was giving advice. And essentially what she said is, this absolutely broke my heart, but it's, it's going to hit this point home. So she said, we were really having issues with my six-year-old. She just would not listen. We tried yelling. We tried spanking. We tried taking things away. We tried all of these different things and nothing was working. So one day before I even told her what the punishment was, I made her go into her room and I asked her to get her favorite toy. And when she brought it out, we took her out to the dumpster and made her throw it away. And she said, she's eight now and we haven't had any issues since then. And I was thinking to myself, and she actually used the words, sometimes you just have to hurt them enough to teach them the lesson. And I understand where that, that thought process comes from because it's like, you feel powerless, right? You feel like my child has control. I have to exercise my power, my control to win this back. And sometimes you just got to hurt them enough to control them enough. But what I don't think she realized was that that essentially damages the bond. That child is compliant now, but I guarantee you she will never, ever, ever forget the the moment that her mama made her go get her favorite toy and made her throw it away when she was six years old. That will never escape her memory, right? And so there are alternative solutions. And that's where, that's why I'm so passionate about this because I would never want to shame the mom that did that. What I want to do is say, hey, I understand the feeling of like you did that because you felt powerless, right? All behavior is communication, even from us, right? So mom was communicating, I feel powerless and I have to take back control over you because I cannot let you rule this roost. And so then she exercised control and power in a very unloving way, not realizing that it was going to be damaging to the relationship, right? So how can we exercise our authority in a way that is respectful and honors our children. And just like you said, it's modeling respect to your children to teach them how to respect you back rather than demanding it from them by, you know, like I'm the authority figure. You need to respect me just simply because of my position. This episode is brought to you by Magic Spoon. You guys know I have been very intentional with what we've been eating lately. I'm looking at protein, I'm looking at sugar content, and avoiding things like artificial ingredients or colorings. Milo used to always want pancakes or waffles in the mornings, and now he is getting into cereal, and I'm so excited because Magic Spoon is the perfect option. Their variety pack has four flavors, cocoa, fruity, frosted, and peanut butter. They have zero grams of sugar, 
13 to 14 grams of protein and only four to five grams of carbs per serving. They're made with wholesome ingredients, no artificial flavors or dyes. And I'm just so happy that he's getting a good amount of protein before he goes off to school. And it's a great snack for me and my husband too, because 13 to 14 grams of protein in the cereal, now you add a high protein milk, you're set. That is such a high protein snack or meal. I should also mention that it is gluten-free, grain-free, and soy-free. So go to magicspoon.com slash momroom to grab a variety pack and try it today. And be sure to use our promo code momroom at checkout to save $5 off your order. And Magic Spoon is so confident in their product, it's backed with a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they'll refund your money, no questions asked. So try a delicious bowl of Magic Spoon cereal today at magicspoon.com slash momroom and use the code momroom to save $5. Thank you, Magic Spoon, for sponsoring this episode. This episode is brought to you by Little Spoon. It is 2024. As busy parents, it's hard to completely overhaul our lives, but what we can do is make small changes that will make our lives easier. And that is where Little Spoon comes in. Their goal is to make keeping your kid healthy feel like the easiest part of your day so that you can cut through all the drama of mealtime. Little Spoon offers baby blends, biteables, and plates. So baby blends is fresh, organic baby food. They have single ingredients, but also multi-textured purees to take the stress out of starting solids. Biteables make the transition to finger foods easy because they are cut perfectly to size, which promotes self-feeding. And of course, all the Biteables are healthy, balanced, and free of artificial junk. And then there are plates for your toddlers and your bigger kids. They are meals that are free of all the bad stuff. They taste amazing. Even the pickiest eaters will love them. They have things like hidden veggie mac and cheese, chicken nuggets, and adventurous things like pot stickers, gnocchi, and more. Little Spoon also has smoothies and build-it-yourself lunches. Did I mention it all comes right to your door? It is super flexible, so easy, and everything stores right in the fridge and freezer. You can pick up the menu and change up what you order every single time. The price is right. The quality is unmatched. You and your kids will love it. It's a huge win-win for your family. Simplify your kids' mealtime with 30% off your first order. Go to littlespoon.com slash momroom and enter our code momroom at checkout to get 30% off your first Little Spoon order. So let's say parents have a child that's four years old, five years old, whatever, and they have been parenting in a authoritarian way. And let's say they go to you and now they want to start making changes. Like, what is that transition like? And does it take a while for the child to kind of adapt to the new parenting style? Like, what I'm thinking is, if people are used to parenting in an authoritarian way and then they switch to a more gentle, respectful way, will it take a while for them to see the benefits of that change? You know, like just so that people don't get frustrated and think like, oh, this is crap. Like I'm going back. Yeah. And I think a lot of people do try and then they're like, this isn't working. So I'm going to stop. Right. So yes, there's going to be a learning curve for you, your spouse and your children. I think it's really important to get your spouse on board and, and at least on the same page with you on the big things, right? 
because that can be really hurtful, damaging and stuff too. Whenever you've got one parent wanting to be authoritarian, the other wanting to be gentle and respectful and they're clashing and the child is confused. So I think that all of this is really important, but I have parents come to me a lot and say that very same thing. Like, is it ever too late? I don't even think it's too late if your children are out of your home. And I, what I mean by that is that you can still break the cycle by parenting your grandchildren with gentle and respectful parenting tools and techniques and break the cycle that way and talk to your children about the things that you are learning, the things that you feel convicted about. But if your children are still in your home, let's say in the scenario of a four-year-old, the younger they are, the easier I believe it is going to be to transition because you haven't set the standard for as long, right? So four years, there may be a little bit more of a learning curve than if you were to start it at one year or two years, right? Let's go all the way up to like teen years. Say you've parented from a place of authoritarian parenting for 15 years, and now you're learning this stuff and you're thinking, oh my gosh, have I, have I failed my children? Is the damage already done? No, the damage is not done, but the learning curve will be greater. And there will be times that I think, especially even, even with young children, but especially with teens, that there will be some pushback because they're testing the waters and, and they're not sure they can trust it, right? They're like, okay, this feels way different than how you've responded to me. I'm going to push back even harder to see if I can, if, if I can do something to damage or to not, not to damage this, but like test the boundary. Like, yeah, they're, they're like, I want to see if you're going to break because I really love this, but I'm scared to love it too much because this feels like what I've needed the whole time. So to that parent, I would say, stay the course. Don't deviate. You don't fail unless you stop, right? You don't fail unless you quit. So stay the course and trust the process and don't also don't try to implement everything at once. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> big deal, you know, because when you're, you're learning all this stuff, you're like, I got to do everything differently. Don't try to change everything. Just try to change one thing at a time. Take that elephant and eat it one bite at a time. Not, not all at once, you know? I know for us, like, let's say we're having difficulty with something specific with Milo, like you brought up the hitting thing. And I must have learned that from your TikTok because I was like, okay, I'm going to change the the wording to, I will not let you hit me. And it takes practice because I am so used to my usual reaction or what I typically say, which is always like, stop or don't hit mommy, like whatever it might be. And so if you want to change something, it takes a while. Sometimes I have to pause and be like, okay, what am I saying again? Oh yeah. I will not let you hit me. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Which is setting a really good personal boundary and saying, you know, like, and you, you don't just have to say no to, I always tell people give a yes with every no. So if your child is hitting there, there could be a number of reasons behind that. One of them could be that they're just simply trying to get your attention. I noticed that my daughter will come and like smack me, mess with me, jump on me, whatever, whenever I've got my phone in front of my face, right? Like she's saying, okay, you've spent way too much time on that thing today. My turn, right? But it can be really triggering for us whenever, you know, your child comes over and just whacks you right in the face, you know? And so saying, Hey, I won't let you hit me because that hurts. But if you need my attention, you can come over and say, 
mommy, I need you. You know, she's old enough now that I can use a little bit larger, you know, phrases or whatever, longer phrases with her. But you can say, hey, this, this behavior isn't appropriate, but this is a way that is appropriate to get my attention. Or this is a way to tell me, I want to go play. I want to go do something fun. I want to go like, let me get out here. I want to hit something, you know, and you can give them a pillow to hit, or you can give them a ball. Like I said, a ball, something that's safe. Yeah. And like you said, like it takes practice for the parents, but also it might take them a few times before they're like, oh yeah, mommy said, if I, you know, want her attention, I just ask for what I want to do or, you know, whatever it might be, which you know, it's going to take a couple times. So even if you said it once, didn't work, say it again, didn't work, like eventually they will catch on. Yes, exactly. Let's talk a little bit about why children deserve respect. And then also what will happen if you don't give them respect. And I'm thinking like, I always like to think in long term because I think people think about young children and, you know, try and control them and use fear-based approaches, but like these young children are going to be adults soon that have to like have relationships with other adults and, you know, have bosses and, you know, employers, whatever. So what does giving children respect do for them? And even if we could think about it, like in the long-term sense. Yeah. Great question. So our voice, the way that we speak to our children becomes their inner voice that's a really big responsibility (laughs) and that's really heavy. And I don't think that a lot of us have realized how much our parents' voice is our inner voice, but I did, I I shared yesterday on my Instagram, how you treat yourself when you make a mistake is usually how you were treated as a child when you made a mistake. So the things that you say to yourself, that inner monologue that you have about yourself, like that was stupid. You're dumb. Why did you do that? And it wasn't, necessarily that your parents said those things. My parents never said to me, Rachel, you were so dumb. That was really stupid. But it was like, oh, what? Why? Like, you need to be careful. Like when you're walking with an open cup, you've got to be careful, right? Oh, this has made such a big mess. Like now we got to clean it up. Like that attitude, you take that on as your inner voice. So then you say that when you do something that you think is dumb or stupid, you say to yourself, Oh my gosh, why did I do that? I'm so like, that was so stupid. Why wasn't I more careful? Right? So the way that we speak to them, the way that we respect or disrespect them becomes that inner voice. So by respecting them in really every moment, even in what, what people call bad behavior, That bad behavior is an outcry of, hey, I've got a lot of big feelings going on here and I have some unmet needs and I don't know how to communicate that. So I'm going to hit, I'm going to kick, I'm going to bite, I'm going to throw, I'm going to have an attitude with you if it's a team, right? So learning to identify that can be really helpful. That's one way to respect them. But I also wanted to read a list. There is a list of things that can happen when you have unhealed childhood trauma and trauma, at least this is what my inner voice says. (laughs) My inner voice told me that to call any part of my childhood traumatic was being really dramatic over the top. Like, you know, and it's because my behavior was often dismissed, right? It was like, Oh my God, you're being so dramatic. Right. And so 
even now, whenever I, I look at all the things, cause I dealt with a lot of these things, but when you have wounds from your childhood that are unhealed in adulthood, this is how it will typically present fixing others, anxiety and depression, codependency, people pleasing or rebellion. And you can bounce between the two needing external validation, living on high alert, fear of abandonment, hiding emotions, feeling the need to process through emotions privately. This is especially common for people who are sent to time out to deal with their emotions because they were told, I'm not, no, I'm not handling this right now. You go to time out, you process through that on your own. So, or I'm going to send you to your room. So now they feel like they have to send themselves out and they don't feel comfortable processing through their feelings and emotions, or they don't even know how to identify the need behind it. It's, it's yeah, all those things. And I'm raising my hand because I was this person. Deprioritizing your own needs and emotions, needing to prove yourself, struggling with authority figures, and even attracting narcissistic or abusive partners. So I can see myself in a lot of these things, not all of them, but a lot of them specifically struggling with authority figures. And that's what I noticed is that when I became an adult, I wasn't able to buck up against authority with my parents because I got punished for it. Right. I mean, I was, I was afraid of losing everything, but whenever I had my first bosses, I can remember from probably for over a decade of my working life. So I started working whenever I was 16. I still work from home to this day, but I work for myself. So it's a little different. And I may have landed here because I was like, I'm tired of having a bus, you know? But I, I just remember having issue after issue after issue with authority figures and bosses. And it was like, anytime they tried to exercise power and control over me, I would really like just, I'd find a new job. Or... Unless they got angry with me, I didn't think they were serious because I only ever saw anger when my parents were trying to punish me. So when my bosses did try to come to me respectfully, I didn't take them seriously until they got angry with me. So I really feel sorry for all my past. Sorry, I'm different. I promise. Yeah. If anyone's listening, she's sorry. She's sorry. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, it's just, those are the things that I, those are the things that I don't think a lot of people realize are attached or can be attached to experiences that they had with parents. I knew that my parents loved me very much. So I knew that they loved me, but they both struggled with their own level of anger issues. My mom was more like she would discipline out of like annoyance or frustration, but she would always come back. If she was too aggressive, she would always come back and be like, I'm sorry. I way overreacted. I shouldn't have done that. And so I feel like my bond with her was always maintained. My dad, on the other hand, was very, very angry and even rage filled in a lot of his disciplines. And it was almost like he would just start seeing red and became a totally different person. And I don't recall him apologizing in those moments. It wasn't until much, much later in my life that he realized all the ways that he hurt us. He was raised in a much stricter, harsher home. So he was doing better than what he was taught, but he still was hurting me primarily. My brother and sister are quite a bit younger than me. So I think I got the brunt of a lot of it, but he is now a totally different person. And and both of my parents are like, I wish we would have known what you know, because we would have done this way differently if we would have had the tools that you have, you know? 
Of course. And that's what it comes down to is for the most part, obviously we want to do the best for our children, but parenting is not like you don't just have a baby and then know what to do. It's a lot of tools. Like people assume like, oh, you have a PhD in psychology. Like you must know everything. No, 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 no. Like I learned so much, like mostly through TikTok, but I mean, there's such amazing creators like yourself on TikTok that give these tools that you can literally take and implement them the next day. So like I'm learning so much and it's work. It's like anything else. If you want to be good at something and you know, you need to put in the effort and pick up the book, listen to the podcast, join TikTok, follow some parent, you know, coaches. There's so much to learn and so many things that you can implement in your everyday like interactions with your child. You know, what's interesting about that is I don't have a degree at all in psychology. You know, I don't have a degree in, I'm not certified as a parent coach. I'm not a therapist. I'm not a counselor at all. I am literally just a mom who is learning and sharing my journey along the way. And what I love about that is we're, we're almost, I don't, I don't know if TikTok has taught you this, but it certainly has for me taught me that I don't need to only learn from people who are credited or certified or whatever. There are a hundred percent, right? Like you can just watch someone's experience of something and learn so much from that. That experience is one form of, of learning. I mean, I'm not a teen mom, right? But I can offer the same tools and tips to teen parents because it is their respect is respect, right? You teach respect in similar ways, but in different stages, it's going to look different. Little tools that you can pick up with regard to parenting, you can also like tweak them a little bit and implement it in your like marriage, your communication with your partner. Like it's just learning how to have strong interpersonal relationships with people, you know, whether that's your child, your friend, your like, yeah, it comes down to communication, really. Speaking of communication, (laughs) I wanted to talk a little bit about your considerate conversation formula. So it's a five-step guide to talk to children and talk them out of chaos and into calm. So what does that look like? Great question. And and talking about using this with spouses and other relationships, this is literally a formula, formula that you can use with your children, zero to 18 or older, really but with your spouse and your friends and everything, because it's really just a formula for respect. And and I'll say this, that where this was birthed out of was that I read all the books. I listened to the podcasts. I went through the courses. I literally plunged myself into this world, but all the time in my triggered moments, every single time I got triggered, I was like, what did that one person say to say here? I don't remember what I'm supposed (laughs) to do, right? Like, I don't remember how to process through this. I need a formula. I need a flow. I need somebody to tell me, do this, do this, do this, do this, right? And I looked for it everywhere and I couldn't find anything like what I was looking for. And anything that was as comprehensive, but also simple, if that makes any sense. And I saw a need. And so I was like, I'm going to write this and I'm going to create it. And so essentially it is five steps. And it's the first step is naming and validating emotion. 
So there's three steps to connect and two steps to correct. So connection before correction. And that I, I'll even find myself in my marriage sometimes like wanting to move so quickly to correction. Yeah, like it's a reaction. Like, yes, so much so. And so if I can calm myself in these moments and tell myself, okay, I just need to like validate him right now first. I need to validate whatever he's feeling and then move into connecting with him before I try to correct anything that's going on, right? So naming and validating emotion, and it's not just, it's really important to validate the emotion and not just to name it. Like, oh, you're feeling frustrated. But to let them know it's okay to feel that way in front of me. Like this is a safe space, right? I'm the refuge. I am the place that you can come to with all of your emotions at any time. Now, the behaviors that you have attached to those, we'll talk about that, but your emotions are always welcome here, right? So you name and validate the emotion. Then you move into identifying the need and meeting the need. Those are steps two and three. There are five basic needs that every human is looking to satisfy. And these are are based off of William Glasser. He is a psychiatrist and he created something called the choice theory. And it's these five basic needs are survival, belonging, power, freedom, and fun. So I break all of those down in the, in the considerate conversation formula. It's a, this is a five-step system, but it's a 10 chapter book because I talk about things like diffusing defiance. Is it too late? And then in the last chapter, I also walk through all, I, I walk through five of the most common scenarios that I use the entire considerate conversation formula to show people how to you know, work through this. So when you identify what is the root need, people will tell me, well, what if the need is ice cream? That's not a need, right? That is a want, probably for the basic need of survival. Maybe they're just hungry and they're looking for a snack. And if you don't want to give the ice cream immediately, you can say, okay, you can have ice cream with your lunch, but right now let's choose a healthier option. Let's go to the the pantry. Let's go to the fridge together and let's choose a healthier option. And, you know, you can kind of work through that kind of stuff. And oftentimes when you just validate that, like that need, the emotion, the desire, and then you say, yeah, you can have that a little bit later, or you can even have that now, but we need to choose something healthier to eat with it, right? Then you go into meeting that need. And that is also like, once you identify, okay, I think that my child hitting is the need for belonging. The five, have you heard of the five love languages? I've heard the book by Gary Chapman. Okay. So it is not research-based from what I understand, but it is, it was one of the most powerful tools that I ever had in my marriage. Again, I feel like this goes back to like, it doesn't have to be, you know, from a professional, it doesn't have to be research-based to be true, right? So he has five love languages that he talks about, and those fall under the basic need for belonging. So if your child has a love language of quality time, but your love language is physical affection, your child may come over in a moment of like where they really need quality time and you're, you're there, you're cuddling them, but you're on your phone to them that is distracted and they don't really want the, the affection as much as they want your undivided attention because their love language is quality time. So learning to identify what the underlying need is and then moving into meeting that need before you move into the last steps, which are addressing behavior and correcting behavior. So in addressing behavior and stuff, you're really just speaking to the behavior. Hey, you know, whenever you were feeling this and you hit me, 
Okay, so let's talk about ways in the future whenever you you felt really frustrated because you just needed my attention, but you hit me to get my attention. Let's talk about different ways to do that in the future, right? If you're in the moment and that that is correcting, right? You're correcting for the future, but let's say a lot of parents want to, well, they need a consequence for hitting me right then because how are they going to learn the lesson? Well, it's, it's really more about understanding how a child's brain works they don't learn through aggression, actually. That's, that's a whole different thing, a whole different subject. I don't even know if we want to go into. But when we try to aggressively correct them, they it shuts off their prefrontal cortex and it makes them incapable of actually learning the root lesson. But when we come to them with understanding and we say, hey, I, I see you and I can empathize with feeling frustrated and doing things that I shouldn't do when I feel that way. I get it. I make mistakes too. So let's talk about better ways. But let's say they continue to hit you, right? Like if you're in the moment and you've set that boundary, I won't let you hit me. And they still try to hit you. Then you can set a clear boundary and say, okay, you right now you're having a hard time not hitting me. So I'm going to put you down on the ground and I'm going to walk away to keep myself safe. That's also a way to correct behavior. And then usually for a younger child, especially there, that's going to make them be like, wait a second, <laughs> I want you back over here with me, you know? So then I would get back down and I would go through the whole thing again. I would start that same process, the same five steps. Okay, I can see that that made you sad. I think that you need my attention, but you're trying to get my attention through hitting me and I can't let you do that. So what what are some ways that we can play together that don't involve you harming me? <laughs> you know? So you walk through those those five steps and again, like you can do that in any relationship. A lot of people undervalue or underestimate the power of talking to your child about something not in the moment. So like we've been having a hard time with him getting in his car seat lately. And so I try and talk to him a lot about the importance of him sitting in it when he's not like hyped up in the moment, right? like explaining what his car seat is, how it keeps him safe. And, but I think it's, it's easy to forget to do that. And then you find yourself in these situations over and over again. And you're like, Oh, like you don't think to address it outside of the difficult situation. So, and sometimes like they're too hyped up and in the moment to really understand. So it's nice like once everything's calmed down to actually talk to them about what happened. And I think people don't give toddlers credit. Like they know, like he gets it. Yeah. And even uh, I want to say this to to parents that might be listening that have nonverbal toddlers, like toddlers that aren't speaking yet. I'm not talking about children who are nonverbal because of health or mental issues or disabilities or anything like that. I'm just talking about a child who has not learned language development yet. And you're still working on that. What most parents don't know is that children understand most of what we say by the time they're like six to seven months old. And then their language development as far as expressive language. So there, there's two different types of language that speech language pathologists and speech therapists will talk about. And that's expressive language and perceptive language. So they can perceive long before they can express, right? So that's such a great tip. And that's actually one of the most common scenarios that I get asked about. So I included it in the ebook because I was like, parents ask me about like, how do I, diaper changes, getting in the car? Like, how do we, how do we do this? Brushing teeth, whatever it is. The concept of, we need to explain this to children ahead of time. 
it helps prepare them. And what's interesting too, I learned this in Marcella's Parenting with Understanding program. She talks about four behavior levels. So the first behavior level for your child is their trigger. And then they have anxiety. And then they have defiance. And then they have the tantrum, the meltdown. So by the time they've reached the tantrum and meltdown part, that's when most parents are like, what is going on here? But we missed the cues of the trigger, the anxiety, and the defiance, right? So when your child is refusing to get into a car seat, it's because they feel triggered by something. It could be just triggered by feeling like, I, I know that I cannot move and I love to move. And I feel I'm like literally strapped in in that thing. <laughs> like, I don't blame them. I don't blame them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And if, if you don't have an understanding that that is temporary either, like, so think about it from the toddler's developmental level. They don't know that the thing that you're about to do is a temporary thing. They don't know how long they're going to be in that car seat or how short they're going to be in that car seat unless you speak to them about it. They don't know that they're even getting in the car seat a lot of time until mom says, okay, it's time to go. Let's get in your car seat. And they're like, wait, what? Trigger, right? And then they feel anxious because they know they're going to be strapped down. And then they get defiant. I'm not getting in. I'm not doing this, right? And then you say, no, we're going. And then there's a full blown tantrum meltdown, right? So if you can learn, like, that's exactly what you've started doing is you've identified he feels triggered by getting in the car seat. So I'm going to help him work through that trigger by saying, Hey, you know, those car seats, we're going to, I mean, even just telling him, this is what our plan is for the day. We're going to drive 10 minutes, which is a short amount of time. We'll listen to Daniel Tiger, five songs, right. Or whatever, <laughs> like uh Coco melon, whatever you can get them, you know, distracted by, but like giving them a time frame and letting them, we're going to get out of the car, then we'll get back in. And this is what keeps us safe. I have to wear a seatbelt too, because that's what keeps me in the car. All of that stuff, I, I don't ever want parents to be afraid, especially with their like almost three-year-olds, to explain all of that. Because while they may be able to express that much language back to you, they are soaking in every word that you're saying and they can fully understand. Yeah. And I will say, I've been trying to do lots of things for the car seat issue. And it doesn't happen every time. Sometimes he goes in easily, like you never know, right? But he can still have moments where it doesn't matter what I've done. It's still going to be a big issue and we're going to have a problem in the parking lot. <laughs> but you have to keep working at it. I think a lot of the times when people hear advice or like tools to use with kids, if it doesn't work right away, they're like, oh my God, like, you know, like, never mind. I'll just keep doing what I was doing, which like, that's not getting you anywhere either. So I think it's important to acknowledge that you're still going to have things pop up that are not pleasant and that are difficult situations. Like it's still going to happen. They're three years old. Like he's so young. And like you said, their behavior is a communication. Like when you gave the example of you being on your phone and your, your daughter hitting you, can you imagine a, like a three-year-old walking up to an adult and being like, excuse me, mommy, you've been on your phone for quite some time today and I'm feeling a little bit upset. So do you think it's okay if you put your phone down and then we can play? They don't have the capacity. Not at all. Yeah. That's not near as easy as just slapping you, right? Yes. <laughs> so like to them, it's just like, oh, I know what gets her attention. Like I need attention. 
I know it gets her attention. I just hit her. Yeah. Oh, there's the attention that I like. And it's not that parents will say, oh, well, then I need to ignore that because I don't want to teach them that if they hit me, then I give them what they want. You just move into that and like, oh, okay, yeah, you hit me. Now I'll love you without say, like setting the boundary, identifying the actual need, and then addressing and correcting behavior. Then yes, you're going to teach them to hit you every time. But, you know, again, if you sit there and you say, okay, I can see that you're feeling really frustrated. Are you frustrated that I'm on my phone? Do you want me to put this down? Your three-year-old can say yes or no to that, right? So when you say, okay, I'm happy to give you my attention, but when you need my attention, it's not okay to hit me, but this is what you can do. You can come over and just put your hand on my shoulder, you know, or come give me a kiss on my cheek. That's a really good way to get my attention too. You know, that doesn't hurt me. And two, another thing that I wanted to talk about or address in whenever you were talking about, you know, there are some scenarios that you are not going to be able to avoid the tantrum. The goal is not to stop or avoid the behavior at all times. It is to help your child move through that behavior and to provide them the skills to handle those feelings and those needs differently the next time, right? It's, you don't have to correct in every moment and like give a consequence in every moment. There, there are definitely times that consequences are necessary, but in the scenario where your child is still tantruming, you would go through the five steps. I know, I know this feels really, you feel frustrated right now and it's okay to feel that way. Sometimes I don't want to do things that I have to do too, but the, and, and maybe you, you're feeling frustrated because you feel like we're going to be in here a long time. I, you know, I can't, you have to get in your, in your car seat. There's, that's not an option to not get in your car seat. So we've got to get in here and I can see you're frustrated. I'm sorry that you're frustrated when, as soon as we get home, you can get out and we can, you know, and then you can distract with like, what do you want to do when we get home? Is there something fun that you want to do today? Do you want to look for cows? We have cows around here. You may not have cows. Oh, we have a lot. Okay. Okay. I was about to say, we, we live in the panhandle of Texas. So there are cows and horses and everything like that everywhere. So I can say, you know, let's look for some cows. Let's look for some horses and just like getting her distracted or let's look for the color orange. Let's look for the, the letter A on signs. And, you know, if, they, if you can't get through the tantrum and they cry the whole way home, then that's okay. You just continue validating the emotion. And then if they really are like, I need to get out of this car seat, then you say, okay, well, you can get out whenever it's safe to get out, right? No, for sure. Oh, car seats. When do they get out of car seats? Not for a while. Oh my gosh, no, no. I, I want to say it's like seven, maybe eight. Oh boy. It's, they have to have at least the boosters for a long time, I Oh boy. Okay. Well, in the interest of time, I thought we could just have you let everybody know where they can find you. Are you working on anything? Is there anything you want to promote? Where can people find your book that you wrote? So just tell us all the things and then I'll link everything in the episode notes for people. On social media, I am Rach Lynn Rogers. It's R-A-C-H-L-Y-N-N-R-O-G-E-R-S. And I am working on something with Marcella. We are going to do, I don't even, probably by the time this is released, it'll be, we'll have announced it because it's later this month in September, we're going to do a co-parenting three-day online event called On the Same Page to help parents get on the same page with their spouse. Maybe you have a, a spouse that's trying and they just don't know how to do this. They, they feel like I, I need better tools. 
we're going to provide some really great tools in that workshop. And then the ebook is also a really great tool for parents who are just starting out. I wanted to create something for people who are like, okay, I want something that I can implement immediately that is simple and easy to remember in those moments. There is an audiobook version available for an as an upgrade. And the reason I'll say this that we sold them together because the ebook, specifically the five steps of the considerate conversation formula, I want people to be able to reference back to visually because it's it's that's just another form of learning and being able to see it on paper or on it's not on paper technically on online, see it on the screen, then that is that your brain's going to be able to soak it up a lot better, but you can listen to it through the Kajabi app and you can even put it in the background of your phone while you do other things on your phone or set it aside and it'll, it'll work just like the, the audible app. Would. So that's available. That is available on both my TikTok and Instagram through Linktree. It's the very first link in my Linktree. Amazing. Well, thank you. This was such a great conversation. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. It was so, so easy. Like you're great, easy to talk to. So oh. I keep having you on and I hope it's helpful for your listeners. Wow.